good, good. <laughs> Thank you so much for wearing the headphones. I really appreciate it. I'm so serious. Yeah, of course. Like I have to, that's never something that's easy to communicate. So I appreciate it. I'm glad Leo told you. <laughs> You're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all of the good, bad, and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I used to work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me you were ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. <laughs> I'd like to welcome our guest, comic, actor, podcast host, and writer, Suba Agarwal. Suba has brought an honesty to her comedy that will leave you saying, I didn't know I needed that. Suba has written for Netflix's Arsenio Hall limited series, the Plan B movie on Hulu, and the Jim Jeffries show on Comedy Central, amongst others. You can also catch her jokes live at stand-up comedy clubs all over the country. If you don't want to leave your couch, which I understand, you can see her late-night debut on NBC's A Little Late with Lily Singh. She also appeared on season three of HBO's Westworld, General Hospital, True TV's sketch comedy, Friends of the People. Her podcast is called Family Gems, where she and a fellow comic chat with guests about their wacky, dysfunctional families. So Suba is not busy at all. She's just sitting around is what it sounds like. So that said, Suba, what got you into comedy? Do you prefer writing or acting? Have you ever gotten anyone kicked out of one of your shows? Tell us. <laughs> um, what got me into comedy? I mean, it's embarrassing. I was just trying to be popular, uh, which is... <laughs> honest <laughs> yeah I know and it's like the worst way to do that that's not how you become popular that's so embarrassing it's like just do drugs like a normal person hello you know what I mean? <laughs> uh yeah I mean all the Indian kids liked Russell Peters so I like would got into stand-up comedy because I thought I'd impress them which was like very no didn't work wait I'll die was he really like you saw them looking up to him and you were like this is a link we have because we're both Indian Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think that's why he went so viral amongst all the Indian kids, because like yeah. no one had seen an Indian comic uh, before that. So everyone was like, holy shit. Yeah. So that's why I got into it. Uh, what do I like more, writing or acting? I mean, that's tough because I like them both. Yeah, I don't know that I have a favorite. I think I love doing them both quite a bit. I think people get confused, too, that you can't wear both hats. That's why I make sure that I usually ask people that wear multiple hats to talk about it, because in the industry, they really like to peg us as one thing or the other. It's really hard yeah. to be like, I'm both. So do you think I know does being a comic help you present as both because you are a performer and a writer in that setting? Yeah, I think, I mean, it has helped. I kind of get, um, I think it's easier, in my opinion, to be a writer unless you're super famous because you can write to other people's voices. Whereas like acting, um, it's whoever fits the part best. It's not your talent or skill level a lot of the time. Like it could come down to, oh, well, her face is better for this role or she just looks goofier. So she's funny. It like has nothing to do with skill set, whereas writer, you're like behind the scenes. So like you can plug into somebody else's voice. I just feel like it's more there's more for you to do and it's easier to find work that would whereas acting feels more random. I totally. You know? Yes. Yes. And then because of that, I think it's easier for people to make money off of you as a writer unless again, unless you're like hot and have a name. So I think uh, I mean, management a lot of times are like, well, what's going to get us the easiest check? And you have to like fight and be like, no, I want to do this. <laughs> I want to do these two lines on this uh, soap <laughs> opera. <laughs> like, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> 
Wait. Okay. So I want to go back. So when you were like looking at your life, you were like, Oh, Russell Peters, that, that triggers something in me. Mm -hmm. How old were you when you had that realization of like, that's what I'll do to be popular? 16. Oh, you were young. So did you start Mm -hmm. doing stand up at 16? No, I started at 17 because I didn't know that you could get on stage that young. (laughs) Oh my God. That is so young. Did you, did you bomb your first time? No, I actually quashed and then bombed for like years after that. It was like, uh, it was a lie. Oh my God. (laughs) It was a very big lie. What made you crush? Did you, was your, the audience stacked in your favor or you just, no, um, it was just, I think it was just beginner's luck. Yeah. And I had been, uh, writing jokes for a year, uh, just from 16 to 17, uh, because I couldn't get on stage, so I was just like writing, 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 and then I think it was just such a novelty to people because it was my first time, and the entire night everyone kept being like, "Why are there two angry Indian people in the audience?" My parents were like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, and then I got on stage, and they're like, "Oh!" And I think it was just like the atmosphere and electric moment, and being like so hyper prepared for that one set. Yeah, and then quickly eating a dick afterwards for a long time. <laughs> Okay, so are you from LA originally? No, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. Okay, so why not stay in Chicago? Why come out here? Well, I mean, because I started in high school and then I went to college in Pittsburgh for a few years where I did comedy there. And then I thought New York was the mecca of comedy. So I went to New York for a while and then I got a writing job that moved me over here. And then I've been uh, banging around LA ever since. That's so you buried the lead. That's so impressive. You got moved (laughs) out here. Good job, you. Okay, so you up to today. So you are all over the place acting and doing comedy. And uh, is so your podcast, that's a relatively new venture for you, correct? Mm -hmm. How do you like doing that? Um, yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Girl, I get it. I get it. (laughs) So honest. It's, it's, it's so much work. Yes. It's so much work because I'm not rich. So I can't pay someone to like fully edit and promote it. So I'm doing all of that work myself. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just so much work Mm -hmm. and I enjoy it. But the thing is like, it it is, I do feel like it is definitely taking away from my time that I would spend writing scripts or like doing other things. And it's so important nowadays to like engage with your, uh, fan base and like build yourself and your own audience. And so like after like 15 years of doing this, it felt insane to just keep writing scripts into the darkness. I was like, I got to (laughs) start. You know what I mean? I was like, I got to start raising my profile and like trying to build this shit up. Yes, girl. um, Yeah. So it's been, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. It's like, I feel like I would love it so much more if my podcast was produced, but like doing it all myself, I'm like. 100%. What the fuck? I have said a thousand <laughs> times, I'm like, if I could just show up and someone else took care of everything, it's like, that's why Rogan can release 10 episodes a day or whatever the fuck his I schedule know. is. I'm like, yeah, you're just sitting in your studio and you're just talking like that's so yeah. easy. This other shit is what <laughs> is so time consuming. I feel you. Well, OK, so but the concept of the podcast so that people know to listen is that mm-hmm. people are just talking about their dysfunctional families. Yeah. Or like even if it's a funny, happy family story, whatever it is, because like I feel like everyone can relate in some yes. level to uh, most family shit. And uh, a lot of the my early comedy, I feel like was very family heavy. Um, so I was like, oh, what's a podcast I can do that makes sense. So I was like, yeah, that's it. It's specific, but also broad enough, I feel like for people to latch on to. So 
That's right. Yeah. So we've been doing. That's great. <laughs> cool. And uh, so where people can listen to that anywhere. It's available on all the yeah, platforms. Everything. Uh, Spotify, uh, Apple podcast, Stitcher, all the things. Okay. And last question in this section. What is your favorite? I know that it's hard and it's I'm not coming for any of the shows you've been a part of. But what was your like favorite onset experience with any of these shows? Or one that sticks out as a positive? I... Um, I mean, a positive would probably be the first like large role I had, which is like an upcoming indie film called Plan B that was like super freaking cool. And um, just because it was like my first big role that I could actually like sink my teeth into. So that was really fun. But probably Westworld, just because that was my first acting credit. And it was across from Ed Harris and it was on Westworld. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it was so magic. Like, I feel like throughout my career, I almost... I think that might be the only time where I've gotten something that was so surpassed my expectations and not something I've been desperately clawing at for years. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. It was magical to me. I was like, wow, this is incredible. I was blown away. I mean, Ed Harris is so fucking talented. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's literally the only time in my career where it's like, I haven't been actively chipping away at something specific. And by the time I get it, I'm bitter and I don't care. Like that was was the first time. So it was, it was really cool. Okay. And when you, uh, is plan B the one that is, was directed by, uh, why can I not think of her name? Was it directed by a woman? Am I thinking of the right movie? Yeah. Um, well, okay. So these are two different movies because it's actually kind of funny. I did um, punch up and polish on that. So I just like incorporated script notes and punched up the Plan B movie that's on Hulu. Okay. Um, and then I am acting in a different movie that's also called Plan B. And I was like, yeah, guys, you're fucking killing me. Uh, can we t- this looks so weird on my fucking resume. But um, that one is... Um, that hasn't been released yet. Oh, that's okay. That's coming out, and I'm very excited. Uh, it has uh, Jamie Lee, John Hedder, and uh, Kate O'Flannery, amongst others. So That's a great um, cast. Yeah. Kate O'Flannery, yeah. for anyone who doesn't recognize the name, and you should, she was the redhead on The Office and is such a talented Wait. actor, isn't she? Am I thinking of the right person? Yeah, I feel like I just threw an extra O on there. I think it's just Kate Flannery. Possibly. Am I... Yes, it is. I threw okay. an extra O on there. It's okay. <laughs> She's Irish. She's not going to be insulted. Right, right. <laughs> Kate <laughs> Um, that's lovely. Well, good for you. I'm glad that you're having bits and bobs of success. It keeps you going. It's the meat that keeps us fed. No, it really, really does. It really does. Um, otherwise you, I mean, I'm still losing my fucking mind. Mm. Um, and the director you were thinking about, um, for the initial plan B is Natalie Morales. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, she's also an actor. I Mm -hmm. think I first saw her in like Dead to Me, I think is what it was. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And um, she was, yeah, no, she was a pleasure to work with. She, her notes were so smart and on point. Uh, but yeah, that was very cool. I love that. Good for you. Well, I'm glad that you're having success. And all right, folks, oh, we've gotten to know Suba a bit. Now we're getting on to everybody's favorite parts. We hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to move on to the entrees after a quick break. back okay so now it's on to the entrees so this is the uh speed round of questions i always say that but please feel free to tell stories this is the part the audience loves the most okay what was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out of your income so some people say babysitting paper out whatever but you can i mean if that was truly your first job feel free to say that but was there a job early on where you were getting a paycheck yes when i was 17 i started working at hollister at the mall and it was 
a nightmare. Wait, okay, so that you said you were 17 when you did that? Yeah. How were you balancing being able to do comedy and hollers? Oh, because the mall's open during the day. So mm-hmm. would you do comedy at night? Yeah. Or maybe when I was 16, maybe because I, I don't think I actually was working at Hollister and doing comedy at the same time. Oh, OK. I may have also just wa- worked at Hollister over the summer. I'm trying to fucking remember. I don't remember, but I do know I was too young to work at Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> and Hollister <laughs> was uh, hiring 16 or 17 year olds at the time. I forget what it was, but yeah. <laughs> OK. And why was it a nightmare? Um, cause I was, I feel like they don't really vet whether you have real life skills and they just kind of go with like, if you have whatever look, uh, yep. they want. Yep. And I showed up wearing like a mini skirt and a t-shirt and they were like, oh yeah, perfect. And without <laughs> paying attention to how fucking weird I was, uh, cause I was really weird. Like I'm still not great with people. I was Aww so bad like literally they put me outside of the store to greet people for like half a day and then they were like I think somebody saw me interacting with a customer and they're like what the fuck is that like, <laughs> go open boxes in the back like I got pulled <laughs> I got pulled from front of store to like stock so fucking fast it was oh embarrassing they're like what? I think at one point somebody stole a bunch of belts and I just kind of watched them go and I was like huh like I just didn't <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to a previous guest, Nick Nunez, who also had a similar experience where he was not hired to be the stock person and rapidly became the stock person after an aggressive interaction with a customer. Um, okay, so you were you worked at Hollister. So were you hired to be just like a what would they call you retail associate? Yeah, retail associate. Okay. So I was just like walking around helping people, um, which is also bad because I had no idea about fashion. So like these moms would come in, these like suburban moms that like they're fucking fake tans, still holding on to being like the former high school cheer captain. Yes. I'm like, I need, okay, what shirt, what plaid short goes with this shirt for my son? And I was like, and I was so honest. I'd be like, honestly, lady, I, I don't know. <laughs> Not a clue, actually. <laughs> I was like, I know how to hang a t-shirt, but I can't. <laughs> Okay, so why did Hollister call out to you? Is it literally just because they were hiring your age and you needed a job? Yeah, and like I was trying actively trying to be cool. So, and <laughs> you know, that was the now I feel like it's just cool with Europeans for some fucking reason. But yep. like Hollister and Abercrombie and the Fitch ba- and Abercrombie and Fitch back in the day were like fucking everything. It was a horse race. So yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't, my mom never bought brand name brand name clothing because she thought it was overpriced and uh she's like yeah, so I never got any of that. I would have to get it from that. God, it was so degrading. They had like this clearance table <laughs> where it wasn't even like neatly folded or stacked so that they, you know, like any other cut, they would just pile shit Ugh. on top of each other. Brutal. And you would have to like scrimmage, like scavenge <laughs> through this giant pile. Like it was like the end times <laughs> and you were searching for the last dose of insulin. And I'm like, a t-shirt that fits. Um <laughs> So I think part of the appeal was like, oh, I want to be like a Hollister kid. I want to be cool. I want to be get that employee discount. I want to be able to afford what the cool kids are wearing. Um, so I think that's probably what drew me into that store, which no. Okay. How long did you end up working there? Um, I, I don't remember. I think it was, it wasn't even a year. Like a blip. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Okay. And uh, how many customer service jobs have you had total? Feel free to count. Two. Um, That's it. That and then it, yeah, I worked at the Apple Store for five years. Oh, I bet you have stories. Okay, wait. I have to. Go. Okay, before we get onto that, I should have asked more. So, you said Hollister was a nightmare. Was it a nightmare because you were awkward? It was the customers. It was like getting moved to the stock room. It was so there wasn't like a moment where you were like, 
oh, I like despise this job. No, I think it was just realizing I'm not a cool kid and I shouldn't be here. Like, I know this is a very old reference, but it's like when Lisa Simpson gets like goes on summer vacation and pretends to be a cool kid and like buys a new T-shirt and like slowly realizes she has no idea what the fuck she's doing. Um, That's how I felt. I felt like every day I was like, oh, my God, they're going to realize I'm a nerd. You know Aww. what I mean? Like every fucking second of every day you're like no okay yeah I couldn't relate like these kids would be like oh my god my mom's such a bitch she wouldn't let me take her car because I got a DUI and I'd be like (laughs) 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 yeah I hate when she does that (laughs) (laughs) I totally get it cool kids it's like uh oh that whatever I'm not gonna remember the reference but okay so you so then the Apple store happened for five years so was the Apple store a transition at the age of 17 or did you find that in college like when did you find the Apple store so I went to college for three years then I moved to New York for a job which I promptly quit in like two three months um I studied the actuarial math because I wanted a company to move me out to New York that is so, so fucking impressive ah uh, it was a bad idea I didn't do any fucking research because my roommate was like oh there's a ton of actuary jobs in New York my dad tells me to be an actuary so I just changed my major overnight without looking into it and oh my god I fucking hated it I didn't realize there were licensing exams I was like oh this was a huge mistake but I'd already filled out the paperwork to change my major I did zero research I'm not even fucking kidding I just was like oh good idea so was was the goal in New York because that was comedy mecca in your head so you're like whatever gets me there exactly okay so why Um, why college for only three years because you had enough AP credits yeah, exactly. I went in as a sophomore. Damn. And I, Because I wanted to, I actually wanted to be a bioengineer initially. And then the way the labs were spaced out, it was going to take me a full four years. And I was like, I'm not staying in fucking Pittsburgh for four years. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I changed so my major to actuarial math. And then they hired me and I knew they were going to fire me because they were giving me paid days to go study for the rest of the licensing exams. It takes years to become like a fully licensed actuary. I think there's like eight in the series. And these exams are fucking intense. They're like SATs or like LSA. It's like every exam is crazy. So I would use those days to fuck off and do stand up, Uh, just sleep in till 3 (laughs) p.m. And I was like, I'm going to fail this exam so hard and I'm going to get fired. And everyone at the company was like, oh, don't do that. They don't fire you. They just move you around. And I was like, I think it was just I couldn't deal with everyone actively knowing I was a fuck up. So I was like, I'm just going to quit. I can't deal with the pressure. Um, and I didn't read my contract and I had to give back my signing bonus. And I just like literally collapsed in the streets of New York, like weeping. I was like, my money, I have no money. And then, um, I was having trouble finding a retail gig because I was so, my degree was so specialized. Everyone was like, why would you work here? You're not going to stay here. And Apple was the only one. They were like, we could use you. (laughs) Yeah. I got they're like oh you did math you can be a cashier I was like perfect great Uh, (laughs) I can do that wait I want to go back and get specific so what is actuary math because please that is not I know ish what it is but I would assume most people don't so what is it I think the uh visual definition I've literally forgotten everything it's like calculating the cost of risk so like there's two types there's life and then there's what is it? Life and then property. So like property and casualty, that's more like uh, car insurance. And then life is like um, life insurance. So you're basically statistically modeling 
you know, the payouts for different life insurance policies uh, based on mortality tables and death factors. Very grim shit. So I ended up working for New York Life for a little bit. So you realize you have to give back your signing bonus. But were you just like, I don't want to keep doing this job because it's truly just taking me away from comedy? Or did you have a plan B? Oh, I mean, that was never my plan A. So that was just like a check. And I just couldn't deal with how intense everybody was because it is like a really competitive, intense field. People want your job. And like, I was good at what I did, despite the fact that I would actively fall asleep at my desk (laughs) and shit. But like, they could tell I didn't give a fuck. So it was just like a lot of (laughs) pressure because like my boss would be like, you didn't take any notes during the meeting. What's this, this and this? And I would have the answers, but it would freak me the fuck out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I didn't like it because I knew I was fucking up. And I was like, I'm going to make a mistake. Everyone can tell I'm fucking off. I'm still technically getting it done, but I just felt like I was going to get fired. And like, I just felt this, this environment of pressure. I can't explain it. It's just too much. I was like, I can't. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I would have just fucked off uh, and been like, okay. But I think at my, like, I was 20 years old and I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't disappoint father CEO. Like I just couldn't. (laughs) Uh, Especially as a woman, we have such this added Mm -hmm. pressure. Okay. So you, uh, (laughs) so you quit that and then it was Apple because you said you applied to a bunch of retail places. They were like, fuck off. And then you go to Apple and they're like, cool, you can do math. So did they say you would specifically be working the register or were they like, you'll just yeah, be an Apple they person? did. Oh, okay. And then they fucking got rid of the registers. I was so oh, mad. And then, was, yeah. yeah, my job used to be so fucking easy. <laughs> and every year it just got more and more and more complicated. It was like such a fucking nightmare. But um, when I first got there, I was like, perfect. I'll show up on two hours of sleep and then like scan some shit. Like that's what I thought I was signing up for no that was not it so wait so so when because when i envision the apple store i'm thinking 2022 version and i i know Mm -hmm. that this is not how it always was but where it's like genius bar and there's all these Mm -hmm. employees walking around in t-shirts and holding handheld whatever the fucks was that did you see that transition into the handheld and the t-shirt and then now i've got to talk to everybody kind of game yeah I, I think they're always, I mean, there always were employees working the floor. I, and I think they also had handheld payment devices, uh, but they also had registers because um, Apple Fifth Avenue just did such great volume. But then they abolished the registers completely and they're like, everybody's handheld. And oh, because so they that, wanted to turn and burn. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm not really sure what that was or why they did that other than to make our lives a living fucking hell. But um, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> Okay, so you from that job, and we'll get back into customer service, but was the Apple job the job you had before you got moved out to LA for writing? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's incredible. Okay, uh, <laughs> people don't know the odds of that being slim to none. So well done you. Okay, so <laughs> two customer service jobs, which was your favorite of the two? Ha. Oh, boy. I mean, they were like, Nothing favorite back. I guess the one I hated the least was probably Hollister because I still had hope <laughs> <laughs> and like a security blanket and like living with my folks and shit like oh, oh my man God, Suma, interview over that's the best line yep you still had hope <laughs> still had hope I get it I so get it okay it's, and- it's so different when it's like oh I can't lose this job yeah oh you that's right I mean? oh that's right Yeah. And your emotions shift in it, too, especially when you want to pursue something else or you are pursuing something else. And you're like, I can't stop this thing I hate. And it's stripping my energy to be able to do the thing that I love. Girl, Mm -hmm. I identify. Okay, And then obviously the least favorite 
Apple store, I would assume. Yeah. Okay. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst you were on the clock? TV doesn't I count because mean... y'all are getting asked to do weird shit all the time. Not TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think what the weirdest thing. I mean, people just came in with like bizarre requests or like their phone would be shattered into a million pieces and be like, I need to return this. I'm like, obviously you can't. Um, <laughs> would they get mad when you would say you can't return a shattered phone? People, I mean, it was, people are just mad. And like, at, especially when dealing with like tech repair or like genius bar shit, which I wasn't even a part of, but like you kind of are. Mm-hmm. Like when you're on the floor, you know, like basic fixes, like common problems people have when they don't know how to turn a phone on silent or they don't understand they've accidentally turned on accessibility on their phone or whatever the fuck. Like you knew basic quick fixes. Um, so like having to troubleshoot stuff for people or people when their devices aren't working, freak the fuck out like it's wild like the amount of people that like openly weep in our fucking store is crazy wait are you serious oh yeah people cry at the genius bar constantly i like some of it i get where it's like that was like the last photo of my mom and my phone died and i didn't upload it to the class like there is genuine heartbreaking shit but like Every now and then, like, my phone work and I can't, I tickets to Coachella. And it's like, oh my God, lady, like fucking, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Wait, so how would you be able to have compassion for the people that would come in with that kind of story? Because that would make me uh, crazy. I mean, you don't have compassion. You just be professional. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, okay. I'm so Tom, sorry to hear that. But you're like, you're nothing. Dead Feel face. nothing. <laughs> So, okay. So did you ever, cause I have always wondered this cause I had roommates in college and like, I would get viruses on my computer all the time. And I'm like, did your boyfriends come over and use my computer? Is something going on? <laughs> did you ever have situations where someone like very clearly dabbled into uh, you know, some of the fun websites or whatever, and then they got a virus um, or they got something happened and they would be like, we, I don't know what <laughs> happened. Apple, I mean, that would be more of a genius bar, but Apple doesn't really, their tech, for whatever reason, has been pretty, their virus software is really good. So we saw less of that shit. I know for sure people, I'm sure the genius bar has seen so many nudes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like not even wanting to. Just like, I'm sure... that's come up yeah no thankfully apple has like decent virus software so that wasn't like a thing we encountered a lot (laughs) so you are you an android or an apple user for your phone i i am an apple user because like i understand it because i have to um i'm not like i don't like tech yeah ironically (laughs) i feel like and I know, uh, I feel like Android users are like, they're capable of more, but there's also like a higher difficulty to use like properly right. or to be able to use all the features when it comes to like PCs and Androids. And I'm just like, I just want to push a button and for it to give me what I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. There's a simplification factor with Apple. Okay. So you weren't turned off to the brand after you left. You truly just, you got the writing job and you were like, you weren't like burn this building down. You were like, Hey, I've got a different <laughs> job. I got to go. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I loved my coworkers. A lot of really cool people work at Apple. I mean, also a lot of shitbags, but a lot of, like, super cool people who I, like, really loved. Um, I fucking loved a lot of the people I worked with. But it was just, like, it, and it was fine. You know what I mean? Like, they provide good benefits. They provide a good hourly wage. It just fucking sucked. Especially, like, towards the end. Because when I first started, it was really chill. And then it started getting more and more, like, you have to hit certain quotas. Like, we were never, you never were upselling, but it would be like, you have to be talking about business and you have to be talking about, like, they were like, did you talk to X, Y, and Z? If you're talking to this many people, we know you should be hitting at least this mark. And um, 
Yeah, it started getting more data-driven um, and being like, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? You have to hit this mark. You have to hit this. You have to hit this. And then it just was like, people started being like, and I, you know, I, I think there was a good aspect to employee mental health to being able to effectively fuck off at your job. <laughs> but, you know, I, yes. I don't know how much money that costs the company or whatever, but like they started getting like real extra about people being in the break room for over 15 minutes. And it's like, just Come leave on. people alone. Yeah. That's what burns yeah. people out so fast. So did mm-hmm. you have any and, tech? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say their, in, their attendance policy ended up being like the fucking worst. That, um, that like got rid of a lot of good employees and like that almost killed me. Cause like, God, I'm trying to remember, they used to have this rolling system and I don't know if it's changed where it's like, if you get three marks within a certain quota, you're fired. Um, and the marks rolled off every three weeks. So you, and I think it was like, at first it was 10 minutes. You could be 10 minutes late, but then it was like, even I think at one point it went to over a minute late or like even a second late. And then it went to like five minutes late because you had to like log on. If So if you were like five minutes or more late, if I'm remembering properly, you got a mark. And that, then that is insane to me. That is insane to me. So the attendance policy that you're saying, so like it went to, it fluctuated time-wise and then it would go to five minutes. And so what, if you got, if you didn't log on at the sixth minute, then you get one of these three marks. Okay. You get get a mark and then that mark doesn't come off for three weeks. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it was three weeks. So if like another week later, you're again late, that's a second mark. And then you're, and then it could be like literally you're one day away from the three mark, uh, three, the mark, one of the marks rolling off. That's, another mark and then you're fired. So it was, um, it was something insane like that where it didn't seem that bad, but it was really easy to accidentally rack those up or have something bad happen. Um, where in like a lot of people got fired and I was so stressed out cause I'd be out until like God knows what I were doing stand up comedy and I would work the 7am shifts so I could be out in enough time to go do open mics in New York. And so I was almost always running late and I had, I was living with five roommates and we had one bathroom. No, and no, yeah. no. And there was this one dude who had every right to hate me, but also I hated him because he would take a 20 minute shower. I'm like, there's five of us. If I'm a minute late to work, I'm going to get fucked. And so I would literally like, I would literally walk around. I was like, get the fuck out the shower, get the fuck out the shower, which is an insane thing to do to somebody. But I was like, I can't. And I needed every minute of sleep in my, you know, because I was like already super fucking unhealthy. Like it was just not, I should never have been doing that. And I was like an awful roommate, but I needed that goddamn shower. (laughs) And like... It was just like, it was so stressful. And I was so close to losing my job like multiple times. There was one point where I had to show up to my uh, job with a hundred degree fever because I couldn't be late or miss. Are and it you, sucked. It sucked. That's insane. Because I was me. like, yeah. And it, there was nothing I could do. I was like, there was um, a boxer, I think, who got injured in a fight. And because he was out for X amount of days, he lost his job. Like, it's just, yeah, that shit sucked. And that's the, that's the sort of untold cost of like, it's sort of when a job takes itself too seriously. It's like, yes. Okay. I get it. Apple is a multi-billion dollar company. I get it. And the, and the franchises all need to make money, blah, blah, blah. But like you're selling computers, iPads and phones. Like, yeah, it's necessary for life. We're using our computers and phones every single day, but you have employees that are risking their health to hawk Mm -hmm. electronics. Yes. Like your fancy radio shack, my guy. And this is that serious. 
Like, so, so you guys lost a lot of good people to be fired that way. So did you, how did you avoid getting fired? You just happened to be at the roll off period with the marks. And so you just happened to keep this in. I was always getting my, by the skin of my teeth. Like I was always, and like, I do have a problem with being on time. So that is on me. Um, so I totally get that. That's like a really shitty trait. Um, but yeah, no, there was a lot of times where I'd be like full on sprinting down fifth Avenue. Like there was one point where I slipped in the bathtub, cut my knee open. I didn't have any band-aids. I had to go to work. It was fall or winter and I'm running down the street uh, in a mini skirt with my knee bleeding in when it was like, it was freezing. There was no reason for me to be doing that. And the thing about the neighborhood I was living in, they had a lot of sex workers out in Queens. So people thought I was a prostitute. So like cars were like honking their horns at me because they thought, oh, like, look, it's a- It's an <laughs> it's available sex worker. Sex worker. Like, oh. Yeah. And I think at one point this taxi was honking at me so aggressively. I got, I was so filled with anger that I got into the car, slammed the door and went, what, what the fuck do you want? Which is insane. That's <laughs> how you get kidnapped i got into i mean granted it was a taxi but it was a taxi looking for some strange you know but i got it i slapped at my door i was like what do you want and he was so scared and shook by like my energy that he's like i don't know where are you going and i'm like to work and then he starts driving to work uh into manhattan i went i don't have any money and he's like i'll let you off at the next stop just get get the fuck out of my cab Wow. So you it was so wild. What were you paying in rent with you with five roommates? Were you getting the cheapest rent of all time? Oh my god, yeah. Um I think my rent was four hundred dollars. Oh that's uh, it. yeah, that's so worth it. That one thousand percent explains, but also, the thing is, I was working part-time at the Apple store, and um, I was giving away a lot of my shifts because I was so desperate to focus on stand-up comedy. So I was like, make as little money as I need to survive, keep my co- costs as low as humanly possible, um, just focus, 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 uh, which is like, I don't stupid. Never. I. <laughs> That's the kind of hustle, though. That's what you need because this industry is the Olympics. And like if you're going to compete in an Olympic level, that's the kind of shit you got to do to train. Like, I that's mean, it. I mean, I guess I see a lot of people who did a lot less than he'd be perfectly fine. Well, and nepotism is like, real, girl. Nepotism. <laughs> Go ahead. Also, like what? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like especially now it's like this industry isn't worth ruining your life over. That's right. You know what I mean? That's like, right. You should always be living a good life at every step. It's just not fucking worth it, you know? Um, That's right. And I think also I had a lot more patience for that when I was 20 years old uh, sure. than I do now. Where sure. I'm like, mm, no. Because at least when you're 20, you're like, there's hope. <laughs> I'm going to do this and it's going to work out. And uh Oh boy. Like, does it not work out a lot? <laughs> you know, it's like, God damn. Oh, it's honest though. It's so honest. Okay. So when you mm. were at the Apple store and like they, would they work around your sort of artistic life where you, cause you had mentioned like you would be able to give away shifts. So I didn't realize that with retail. Like I just thought at restaurants, we give away shifts all the time. So you were able to do that with retail and they, that wouldn't give you one mm-hmm. of the marks. No, no. I think, oh God, how did we do it? It was some sort of online platform. I'm having trouble remember how it did, but it was like a giant thing where you could be like, I have this shift to give away. And then people would be like, I'll pick up your shift. I'll take it. I don't remember like what type of like group chat was going on, but they would like take your shift for you. Okay. Um. So as long as somebody was working and I think at a certain point uh, they get, they started to get um not thrilled about that especially because it's like i would show up once a week and still have insurance and they're like what the fuck uh but <laughs> you're like sure and, did <laughs> uh, 
And I was missing a lot of training because that's the initially, again, I was just a cashier, but then I started doing more and more where we had to start setting up phone lines for people. And every week I'd come in and the store would be like, and now the cashiers are on this side. And uh, this is how you've heard of iPad. Here's an iPood. I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck are we doing? Like, it was just every time I would come in, I'd be so confused because so much changed so fast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had no idea what the fuck I was doing towards the end. And I was like, thank God I got out of there. Cause like, when you did, yeah. Did you work with people who were like tech bro lifers who were like, this is oh. my shit? Yes. There are people at Apple who fucking love Apple. Like yeah. Apple tattoos, which is embarrassing. It's like, culty. No. It is embarrassing. Yeah, very. There are some people who will 1000% drink the Kool-Aid and it is psychotic to watch yeah but i'm like i mean good for you and the customers because the thing they tell you when you work at apple is uh, if you don't know the answer you say i don't know let's find out and then you find the people who know and it's always like one fucking dork (laughs) just loves this shit like bleeds iPhones, right? And then you walk up to that one dude and he's just getting hit up all, all day. day. <laughs> You're yeah. like, actually, like they- Scott's got all the answers, everybody. <laughs> and they, would they love him though? Were they like, oh, this is our guy? Um, At the Apple store? Yeah. Like would the corporate yeah, people I mean, love them? Yes and no. Um, Because I feel like also my numbers still looked really good. So it's hard to tell from like an upper level. But like people who are invested in the company, I heard it also got like really competitive to start climbing those higher ranks. Because like in in those retail stores, once you start getting to management, you fucking make bank. Really? So it was, yeah. So it was actually pretty cutthroat to move up. Uh, But if you were like me, you're like, I don't want to move up. (laughs) I don't care at all. How much would you, could you ballpark, would they be making an annual salary or would they make hourly? Annual, but I'm trying to, here, let me see if I can actually look it up online because. Yeah, I'm curious because it's interesting because I would imagine like there is amount, an amount of not only training, but like truly intellect that you have to have. You can't just be like a Johnny come lately and be like, I don't know how to do anything. Like you have to kind of not be an idiot. So I feel like they would need to honor that. I mean, according to the internet, it says there are 120,000 around, but I'm not sure if that's accurate. And I wonder, were there uh, retail bonuses? Like, hey, if you hit this amount, you get a cut, like commission? I don't know. We never did commission because like they they did as much as they started to quantify things to make sure employees were like fully offering Apple services. They always say, don't upsell, don't upsell, don't upsell. That was like huge in the culture. Now, that's fascinating. Why? Why was that their idea? I think that was just a part of branding because like people are afraid of uh, going to tech and like being upsold shit that they don't need. That's right. So, yeah. So Apple, they would like do not upsell, give them what they want, what they need. Uh, so that's lovely. Yeah, actually. That was like heavy. Yeah. That makes me like them a little bit. Um, was there <laughs> an incident where ever where someone asked to speak with your manager? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? (laughs) I mean, there was one time where I did something in front of my manager, which was really embarrassing. I was walking out with, um, they had a data transfer done and I had a computer box and on top of the computer box was like their old laptop. And as I'm literally walking onto the floor, I hit my toe and I trip and their old laptop goes flying and hits the floor. And my manager's looking at me and I'm looking at the customer and I'm like, oh Oh, shit, you know? And, um... She was so chill. My manager was so chill. She just discounted off of the price of the data transfer. And it was like, fine, because it was the old computer anyway. But I was like, that's so embarrassing. I'm like, of course, the second I step onto the floor, I. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. 
was there an incident where they got mad at you and they were like, we're not talking to you, Sue, but we want to talk to Tim or Sarah or whomever? Yeah, I mean, I used to work also um, part of the, being a cashier. Is sometimes they put you in the call center. So, yeah, that was brutal because um, it was, again, a lot of people angry that their device wasn't working. And I'm trying to remember, like, specifically if I had done anything. I mean, I know there's always the, oh, I'm going to transfer you. And then you fucking hang up. Yep. That's happened to me. <laughs> Can't help it. Sometimes it is a sometimes it is a tech glitch, but a lot of times it means you're a bitch. Yep. Sure does. <laughs> People don't know that. They're like, oh, you got disconnected? That's so weird. Yeah. So can you yeah. so was there not like an incident where you were like, oh shit, I might get fired right now? I mean, I don't think I was ever worried about getting fired because generally the customer was out of their fucking mind. Yeah. I think there was one point where I did something wrong when I was like, when they had us, when they started having us set up phone lines um, for customers, um, I think I fucked that up. And yeah. they were like, I want to talk to your manager. And I was like, thank God, because I don't know what the <laughs> fuck I'm doing. I don't doing. know what I'm doing. But like, <laughs> I was very close to being on my way out at that point. So it was like, whatever. Okay. And so, uh, and this is like, I mean, don't get into this if it's too sad or annoying, but like you are not a white person. So did you ever mm -hmm. run into things where people talked to you or treated you differently? And you were like, oh my God, because I'm not white. Yes. I mean, there was one lady again, it's like Fifth Avenue, New York, huge tourist spot where she just walked up to me and went, do you speak English? No. And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> amazing i love it so much no i don't <laughs> so stupid i mean and then i also got the other end of it too where like we had a shit ton of spanish speakers so like a lot of them like i might look south american to some folks so like and i did at the time i spoke almost fluent spanish i was really good so i tra i ended up translating a lot but what was super fucking annoying was brazilians would come in and try and get help and be like oh i speak spanish and then Two minutes in, you're super confused. And then you realize they're speaking Portuguese. Portuguese. And I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah. Like, just tell me it's Portuguese. Yeah. Like, I'll still try. But it was just, they knew it would be a longer wait. Because, like, we would actually try and, like, find someone who spoke Portuguese or we would make them try and use Google Translate. So they would lie about speaking Spanish. And I'm like, we both know this isn't Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Would you ever get people that thought because, like, the other stereotype with Indians is that, I mean, as you've also proven on this podcast, mm -hmm. is that y'all real smart as a group. So <laughs> did you ever get people that assumed like way beyond what your actual experience was because they were like, oh, you're Indian, you must know this? I mean, I feel like everybody in a blue t-shirt, they just assumed you're a technician, oh, okay. uh, which it's like, That's no, a lot of us know. Uh, I did get once when I was working in the call center, because you have to give your name, uh, where he went, like somebody was mad. They're like, oh, you're Indian? You like in India? And I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm in New York. Um, I am just Indian. Like it was just so. I would have donned wild. an accent and like leaned in so hard and like been <laughs> just pretended like I didn't understand. What you got it? me. No, I. Uh... <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, have you personally ever told a customer in a version of your own of to like get the f out of your face or to f off? Have you ever? You don't seem like the type, but have you ever done that? I am definitely the type, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I have, okay. um, That's a good just thing. because I didn't want to get fired. Yeah. It's crazy what that does to us. The chokehold that has on our pride. 
Yeah. I mean, I know I've done and said some like vaguely disrespectful shit, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> nothing outright without you're like, no, there's yeah. no, there's some gray here. Um, mm-hmm. Now you've never worked a tipped position. So did they ever tip at mm-hmm. the Apple store? We weren't allowed to accept that. So like you can get fired for accepting tips. So like we could not. But people would and try. Answer, yeah. Sometimes people would try. Um, and so then if they did, you would have to go and like tell your manager or be like, I really cannot take this. They'll fire me. Wow. Um, do you personally tip then? Cause I know it's hard if you're not in a tipped position ever in work, it's hard to know how to handle that. So are you a tipper? I am, but I also like am unfamiliar with when to tip sometimes. Uh, so I always, it's funny cause I always end up calling my fiance like in a huddle as an emergency. Like I came out of this automatic car wash and I figured it was automatic, but I come out and there's just a dude with a towel wiping it down. And I'm like frantically calling my fiance. I'm like, do I tip this dude? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh shit. And I'm like looking for cash, oh but it's like, I often don't know or like what well, the first time I went to Jersey and somebody pumped my gas and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, you're supposed to tip this part. Like there's a lot of times where I don't know, but anytime I'm supposed to, I do. I always do. Okay. Would you ever not like if someone's openly disrespectful to you or like you're getting, I mean, they would have to do something wild. wild. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think there was this one time where I could tell this cafe, I felt like they were being racist, which like sometimes it's a vibe. Where it's like, mm, this doesn't seem right. Uh, and like, I got into it with, I think I had already tipped. <laughs> so I was so mad because I wanted that shit back. Word. Because um, like, they didn't bother any of the white customers for being there that long. And then I was like, mm, this feels weird. Um, like they came up to you and they were like, hey, you've been here for X number of minutes or hours yeah. or whatever. And I was like, oh, can I just get more food? I went because I was like writing something. And I also heard the other employee talking about me in Spanish and they're like, he knew they knew I was Indian. So they didn't think I could. And like, they're like, she's treating it like it's her living room. Cause I had plugged in my laptop at a coffee shop, which is like, okay. What we do? Like at that, yeah. It was weird. I'm like, what the, f-? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not a white dude in a suit. Like, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So you understood uh, what they said. And then they come up to you and they were like, Hey, you've been here long enough. So then you're like, cool. Mm-hmm. Can I order more food? And mm-hmm. what did they say to that? No, they're like, we need to get more customers in. And it's not like there was a line of people waiting. They're like, oh, we're expecting a lunch rush. I was like, oh, I'll order lunch. And they were like, no, get out. And I was like, what the fuck? Where was this? Uh, In the West Village in New York. Yeah, it was nuts. That kind of shit. Like when people romanticize New York of like, New York's the best city in the world. Is everything Mm. so amazing? It's like the shit like (laughs) that that happens where they like try to muscle up and be like, no, I'm just being a New Yorker. This is what we do. It's like, no, you're being a terrible person. You just happen Mm. to have a New York accent. That kind of shit makes me crazy. I mean, New York is like beautiful and amazing. And it's like, it really, I really do think it is the mecca for stand-up comedy and there's so much to do and see, but it is a fucking nightmare like it's so the parts of it that are so good like make you tolerate everything that is god awful and like if you're not super wealthy living in that fucking city is so stressful it's like beyond it's a fucking nightmare it's a living hell Mm -hmm. (laughs) i totally agree well it's it's what is becoming untenable about la it's like the ways that we used to be able to hack Mm -hmm. the system and be poor here and not poor Mm -hmm. that's so unfair but to be like low 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 middle class here now it's like oh shit i i all my hacks are out the window now it's untenable Mm -hmm. short of moving to the deep 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 valley which might as well be up north anyway whatever not about that okay have you ever been fired from a customer service job no I haven't I um 
Yeah, no. I've always been fortunate enough to quit before they got me. There you go. Okay. Last question in this section. Can you think of the worst customer you've had to interact with? Or, I mean, the do you speak English is pretty terrible. But, um, <laughs> or if you don't have another incident like that, the, an archetype of who it would be the worst type of customer. Um, at the Apple store, we got a lot of super rich, um, very entitled international people mm. because um, Apple is often a status symbol and they have heavy import taxes in places actually like Brazil. And um, I'm forget there's other countries, too. I just know Brazil, their tax was insane. So like the super rich people who want to look rich. So the worst kind, like bad on top of bad, yeah. would come in to get these status symbols and they would just be so demand. The type of people that would snap to get you to come to them. Um, there was like one point where these two like, like uh, international, like Eastern European Paris Hilton knockoffs were sitting at a table and demanding to be served at that table. And that table was being used to set up people's phones. And we're like, oh, you can't, we can't, you can't sit here. We can help you, but we, it's actually that part of the story. They would not move. Are you joking? So no. So the, the manager was just like, just fucking sell them the phone. So they get the fuck out. But it was like that level of entitlement. Wow. Like it was great. Cra- and then like, Oh God, launch days were the fucking worst because, um, one of the, and I think it's chilled a little bit. Cause I think Apple's tipped in popularity, but it used to be like, around the block lines of like resellers and shit. And it was like just tech fanatics sprinkled in with these resellers who would buy, buy, buy. And they would get to the front of the line after waiting five hours and be like, what the fuck do you mean? You don't have a 32 gig? I'm like, nobody told you to do this. No one, no (laughs) one. You could have waited a couple months, but you have nothing else going on in your life. And that's not my fault. Call Kathy. Um, It was just (laughs) crazy. Like people would be so angry. Because they would wait for hours and it's like literally nobody told you to do that shit. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was just wild. I think my favorite, this is the opposite of my least favorite, but my favorite customer that came in was uh, being helped by the person next to me. It was just this weird, another Eastern European dude in like full feathery black fur coat with a tiny metal lunchbox. And you're like, what the fuck is he doing? And as he's paying for the his iPhone, he opens up the metal box and it's just hundreds, just a stack of $100 bills in this little metal uh, lunch pail. <laughs> lunchbox. Yeah. And this man with this big black fur coat. And I was like, who are you? Who are like, you? What Skeletor villain <laughs> is coming to buy? It was so funny i was like sir your whole existence is wild but i'm happy you're here (laughs) like i like you and i kind of want to be your friend but i also don't want to know what you did to get that cash so like (laughs) we'll be surface friends Okay. Truly. Okay, so the answer to the worst customer, though, the entitled, the rich, the like, I'm coming in and you're going to serve me right now. Totally. Exactly. Related. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we're going to move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. Okay. <laughs> What's the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? I think probably the nicest thing. I, I don't know that anything like, Well, you know what? That's a lie. I feel like a lot of times when you do a good job at the Apple store or you help somebody find uh, the device they're looking for, you solve a problem for them or like in general, especially at the Genius Bar, if like people are able to get their device fixed, like sometimes they're like borderline again in tears, but in a good way. Like they're just so happy and so grateful and so thankful Um, and just like any customer that was like genuinely thank you for what you do and like for helping me find a solution to this. Yeah. It just made you feel a little less shitty and like happy about what you were doing with your life, you know? Yeah. And like you made a difference. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So the nicest thing feels like maybe acknowledgement that what you do matters. Does that feel yeah, right? Yeah, or like gratitude. And I mean, I know it, it doesn't always. I'm just selling a phone. But like sometimes when people are like genuinely blown away and grateful that you like know your shit. And it's like as much as I wasn't at the Apple store, I was still trying my best. And I would still like take every lesson and like try and remember and like learn everything I was supposed to. It just got to be overwhelming at the end because uh, I was like straddling leaving the Apple store and like comedy kind of starting to work out. Yeah, no, it made you feel good. Like, oh, I really did help somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and that you're not wasting your time. What's the best lesson you have personally learned from working in customer service? I think the best lesson I learned working customer service was like just be kind to people because you never know what they've got going on and like don't expect a smile or a happy attitude because a lot of the times people are being paid dog shit. I mean, that wasn't necessarily the case at the Apple store, but like, a lot of other customer service jobs, like they're not, and even at Apple, like I'm not getting paid enough to deal with your bullshit. Come like on. that would, you know, Come on. and I, I've, I've failed, you know, there are times where I've like snapped when it's like the fifth time I've been transferred uh, at like an airport and I'm trying to get on a plane home. Like there have been times where I've failed and I've just been super rude and I've been like so horrified at myself. Cause like, I know what it like, it's, even when you understand the person is getting fucked, like there's nothing I can do. And that happens sometimes with Apple where they'd be like, um, a rare instance of like, Oh, this, this piece of tech you sold me didn't work. And again, with Apple, that was very rare, but it does happen. And um, they're like, and it cost me this, this, and this, and this happened. And you would feel so fucking bad for this person. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, there's nothing I can do. And I understand why you're upset, but also like I'm a human being, you know? Like, Come on. So I remember what it feels like to be that person. So I always try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. You know? And what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Um, you know, just be kind. That's it. Just be kind. That's, it's that simple. Yeah. Would you, in this situation that you described before where you're like, oh, fuck, I snapped on someone. Like I just, this wasn't who I wanted to be. Would you then go retroactively back and find that person and say like, Hey, I'm sorry. Or like in an airport setting where maybe you're not going to see them again. Did you ever experience that at the Apple store where someone like snapped on you and then came back oh, and yeah. was like, yo, I was a dick. Yeah. Um, sometimes they would. That was actually pretty rare. A lot of the times, oh, this is talking about people asking for your manager. This would fucking kill me where they would be a fucking monster to you. And they'd be like, I need this. And you're stupid. Like, oh, did you not graduate high school? You're like, like just screaming, screaming, screaming. And then they'd be like, I want to talk to your manager. And the second the manager came over, perfectly reasonable. I, the number of times, the number oh, of times. They're, it's so manipulative yes. and shitty. There, I worked oh, God. when I worked at a comedy club. The the guy who was the GM right before it shut down, he was like, he would sit in the back of the theater and he would watch interactions happen. If we would like come in the back, we'd be bringing something in and we'd be so frustrated. And he could tell that like customers were just being shitty. He would sit, stand or sit in a place where the customers obviously wouldn't know who he was or pay attention. Mm -hmm. He would hear how we were being spoken to. God bless. Hi, Curtis. Thank you. And he would be, if he could clock that the customers were actually the ones being shitty to us, he and the customers would demand to see him. He would go over and ask them what happened. And then he would take them out in the hallway and bring us out. And I was willing to lose the time. I didn't care. And I would stand out there and then he would say, what just happened? And I would explain. And then the other guy would explain. And Curtis would then stop and go, well, I actually watched that whole thing happen. And what she just said is true. Cause I knew he was back there. So like I knew yeah. lying wasn't about to help me. So I would just explain like, look, yeah, I was annoyed. I was kind of a shithead, but this is what happened. 
And he would always be like, cool, I actually watched that happen. And you would watch customers' faces. They would just be like, motherfucker, like, we got caught. We didn't know. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I was, fucking love that. that yeah. That's an amazing manager. Agreed. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. And that was not that was not the through line at that place. But he was definitely, that was one of the things <laughs> he did that was good. Well, is there anything else that you wish people knew about customer service? Or do you think that it has informed your comedy? Are you glad you worked in it before you got to where you are? Do you miss it? I don't miss it. If like <laughs> no one does. If, I mean, it, it's good because I think it made me a better person. But I mean, any given day, I would choose privilege. Fucking Come make me. On. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think anyone who says the opposite is lying. Yes, <laughs> totally agree. I'm like, please. I hope I never. I want never want the stress of like because people don't know what that stress is like no. when you're like running out of. It feels like the walls are closing yes. in on you. Yes, and it's like. Man, to never have to deal with that ever. It was such a gift. What a privilege. Yeah. 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 And I think that like the people who lamented and look back and are like, oh, I miss the days when I bubble. It's like work for one day, boo-boo. Go back into that type <laughs> of work for a day. I promise you, your miss it yeah. feelings are gonna be full after the first hour of that shift. You can be like, you know what? <laughs> this ain't it. But also to your earlier point, which I totally agree with, there's a totally different vibe around a job when you don't have to have it and you're doing it because it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I could be around my friends and whatever and your rent is taken care of versus the, if I lose this job, I'm gonna force you out of a shower that you're taking that's too long because I can't yeah. afford to lose it. It's so different. Yeah. It yeah. really is. It's so fucking stressful. Yeah, it is. Well, Suba, how can people get in touch with you? Do you want people to know your socials? What are your tour dates? Tell us all the things. Yes, absolutely. Please uh, go to my website, s-comedy.com. It's just s-comedy. Uh, super easy to remember. It has all my socials. It has where you can download my comedy album, stream my web series. It has my tour dates. Um, if you want to find me on social media, I mean, it's on the website, but also just search Suba, S-U-B-H-A-H, -H, and you can find everything. So I love it. What's the name? Easy. What's the name of your album that you're that's going to oh, be? Oh, Dog Show. I love it. Okay. <laughs> well, as she's petting a cat, that was very ironic. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, folks, we're going to drop your text now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. But you're listening on Sirius XM right now. Thank you all so much. We really appreciate it. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind. It will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to help get in touch with us here directly at Service from Hell, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. <laughs> it's easier that way. Thanks, Sue. You were lovely. Thank you so much for being no, on. thank you really this was very it. fun uh, you're you you understood the assignment and we always appreciate the guests <laughs> that do thank you folks so much for listening good night <laughs> <laughs>